A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to the One Piece Podcast, where the lore hounds your guides to the Grand Line. I'm John. And I'm Moses, Moses Saigba. And this is our coverage of the massive anime hit One Piece. In this podcast, we'll be giving some background on ourselves and the scope of this podcast, giving our general thoughts about the show, and discussing the first four arcs of One Piece, consisting of episodes 1 to 30. Be sure to stick around to the end of the podcast for programming notes about our podcasting schedule. For early access to ad-free episodes and exclusive content, visit patreon.com slash thelorehounds. We're on a membership drive to hit 100 members before our one-year anniversary on July 11th. Again, more info at the end of the podcast. If you're enjoying our content and want to give us a leg up, leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. It really helps our standing in the ranks, which helps more people find our podcast and helps us make more podcasts. If you want to get into the conversation, send an email to onepieceatthelorehounds.com and we'll get back to you the next time we record an episode. Or head to thelorehounds.com and leave us a voicemail or a contact form entry. One more note, if you want to support us directly and get access to ad-free and early episodes, head to patreon.com slash thelorehounds and subscribe today. Moses, this is a new thing, so why don't we discuss what we're doing here? You're not David. You're not my usual co-host. You're not even Brandon, my occasional co-host. You're you're brand new here, so who are you and what are you doing here? Well, John, we've known each other for a while, a while, while, a minute, minute. We've known Mm -hmm. each other, and um, ever since we met, you know I've been into anime, One Piece being the primary one that I've been into. I'm really happy that you've gotten yourself into the series itself, and I'm very happy that you're a brand new viewer to this. I've been watching One Piece since God knows, God's I was strong back then. Like what, 2005, <laughs> 2006, when it came out on uh, Adult Swim for the first time? And I've nice. been a constant viewer and reader ever since. Very cool. Very cool. I saw it. I saw a few episodes on Adult Swim back in the day. And I just wasn't, it wasn't for me at the time. You know, I wasn't ready to explore the grand line with Luffy. I was, I was just a wee lad. Let me tell you, the four kids animation or the four kids dub was absolutely terrible. I'm, I believe we're going off the Funimation dub, which is much, much better. Oh, so, really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm watching the one that says Funimation, so yeah, that much makes better. sense. I didn't realize that there were different dubs. Yeah, there were. Um, there were different dubs. I'm a manga reader as well, and uh, a lot of people are not a fan of the four kids dub. Funimation dub is much, much better. That's yeah. super interesting. 
super interesting. So in this podcast, let's just make clear what we're doing. We're not doing a rewatch podcast. I know people are into those kind of things lately where you have these longtime watchers who talk full spoilers for the whole show. No, we're we're not going to spoil things for you. This is for the people who want to, you know, re-experience it again. If you, you know, if you want to hear a new person's perspective, plus an old timer's perspective, and it's for people watching the show for the first time. So we're not going to spoil anything past the current arc. Uh, and we'll let you know which arcs those are up front. And we'll let you know which arcs we're going to be covering the next time uh, at the end of the podcast. So this podcast will also be an occasional one. And we'll give a heads up when we're covering uh, something new and when the next podcast is going to come out. But keep an eye on our Twitter at the Lorehounds or, you know, on our Discord server, which you can find in the show notes if you want to be part of that conversation and know what's coming next. I know, Moses, you just joined our Discord server, so you should be in there, too. Yep, brand new to it. It's in, it's very active, very fun. Lots of people have a lot of very uh, intellectual takes on a lot of different shows. I know. Very, I love our Discord. Riveting. People people are chatting away. Yeah, crazy. I mean, they, they welcome me with open arms immediately. It's very It's a very pleasant Discord to be in. Well, you, built a, you built a nice community, John. Well, thank you. And welcome to it. So let's do a quick background on One Piece, since this is something that it's funny because it was the most watched show in 2022. And yet I feel like everyone I talk to does not know what it is. I've been telling people in my life lately, you know, I'm watching One Piece. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I think a lot of that has to come from. OK, so I guess kind of I don't want to say historically, but. Yeah, you know, we use the term historically. There's been a big three kind of anime slash quote unquote slash mangas. And that was One Piece, Naruto and Bleach that have been kind of dominating for the past 10, 15 years. They kind of took the place of Dragon Ball after that. Both Naruto and Bleach are over now, although I guess Bleach is making a comeback. But One Piece has been going for 25 years almost now. 25 years. Yeah, they just had their 25 year anniversary and it's been going strong. So especially with the end of Naruto. One Piece has kind of taken that void of a lot of the uh, English viewership. It's always been the biggest kind of anime slash manga in Japan, but it's really kind of filled that void in terms of uh, the most popular anime over here in the Western world. Super interesting. And yeah, you mentioned this is a longstanding franchise. This mm-hmm. The manga started in 97. The anime started in 99. So this has been going longer than most shows on air for sure. And oh, yeah. certainly longer than... I, I guess any other anime, right? Is there any other anime that's been going longer? There's some. Um, what's that detective? Uh, detective Conan? That thing's been going on since, okay. God knows, since like the 70s or something. That, that okay. was crazy. Yeah. But it's just fascinating of, to me that we are up to, uh, we're over a thousand episodes now. Oh, and yeah. we still have this community that is hungry for more, that really wants more of Luffy's story and wants to see where the crew goes from here. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned Ted Lasso earlier, or we uh, we were talking about Ted Lasso a little bit before, I guess, off air. It has a lot of the same kind of positive vibes that Ted Lasso has, the always wanting to root, the optimism, the always wanting to root for the main characters right. kind of feel to it. And that's what has really kept a lot of the community involved a lot of the times, myself included. Yeah, I guess that is a pretty compelling part of One Piece is just that, you know, Luffy is someone who sort of has that goofy persona and sort of plays off as, you know, I'm, I'm a little dumb. I, I just do what whimsy tells me. And when you get down to it, he's really, really wise in his decisions. It's, it's 
pretty fascinating to watch because the other characters will jump to an emotional response and to a, a, a really knee-jerk reaction. And Luffy will say, I'm going to cut to what matters. And it's something that that struck me as unique about this show because a lot of anime has these goofy main characters or goofy side characters who, you know, you could just watch and laugh with. But this had some kind of heart with the main character that I, mm. I have not seen in an anime before. And I was really, you know, taken with. Oh yeah. Luffy says part of the course, this whole, he's very singular mindset focused on, I guess we'll get into it. Him trying to be the king of the pirates. That is his goal and he will not deviate from it at all. Right. Exactly. So we're already sort of talking about the, the main premise a little bit. And so let's, let's get into that. So I was thinking about how to introduce this world to people who don't know anything about it. And really everything you need to know is in the original intro. Uh, so I'll just read it here. Wealth, fame, and power. There once was a man who obtained it all. You got to use the voice. You got to use the voice. You got to use the voice. Then you do it. You do it. Oh, I'm not ready oh, for it. I got you. I got you. <laughs> me, 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 me. Wealth, <laughs> fame, and power. There was once a man who obtained it all. The pirate king, Gold Roger. His last words at the execution stand sent people from all over the world out to sea. My wealth and treasure, it can be all yours if you want it. Search for it. I left everything in that one place. Men now set sail for the Grand Line in search of romance. The world has entered a great pirate era. Boom. Sail along. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. You, you got it. That's the, yeah. Is that the We Are song? I, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, we, we eschewed using that song for the intro. Instead, I, I went with the victory music for when... Uh, I guess that, that's what I think of it as. Is there was no the wrong gang, choice. There when the no gang finally... Uh, you know, comes comes together and figures out how to defeat the enemy. That's the music that plays often. And that always gets me hype. You know, that always gets me hype. So I went with that. Well, One Piece has a great soundtrack. There's really no wrong choice there, John. It really isn't. Very nice. Well, we've already talked about our background with the series, and we've talked about sort of some background on the show. So why don't we get into the first arc that we want to discuss. So again, we're going to be talking uh, full spoilers of these arcs, but nothing past them. And uh, we're doing the first four arcs today. That's Romance Dawn, Orange Town, Syrup Village, and Baratier. Those are episodes one through 30 of the anime. So if you don't want spoilers for those, if you want to go watch that, it, you know, they're like 18-minute episodes if you cut out intro and outro. So go do that, come back to us, and we will be here. With that spoiler warning out of the way, let's get into Romance Dawn. So I'm going to read a synopsis here. We're introduced to Monkey D. Luffy, a young pirate who ate a devil fruit called the gum gum fruit that gave him the power to stretch his body like rubber, but took away his ability to swim. After helping Kobe escape service as Alveda's cabin boy, the two head to Shellstown where they find the great pirate hunter Roranora Zoro imprisoned. Luffy defeats Marine Captain Axan Morgan helps Kobe achieve his dream of becoming a Marine and rescues Zoro. Zoro then joins Luffy's crew as its first member. Moses, what did you think of this arc, especially your first time? And if you've revisited it since, what is your opinion on this intro? Is this a good introduction to the world? So I'm not going to believe the first time I watched it as a little kid, even now, uh, I hated Kobe. I hated oh. him so much. He was just... I love Luffy. I love the way how he bursts out the barrel out of nowhere. Um, he isn't even the first character you see in the whole show. You know, he kind of just pops out of the blue. Mm -hmm. And I love Luffy. I love his over-enthusiasm. I loved how eccentric he was. I love the fruit, the gum and the gum no me. 
you know, the rubber fruit that he yep. has possesses. I love everything about it. He starts off in comparison to Alvita, he's a powerhouse. Right. Basically takes her out like it's nothing. Inspires Kobe to come along, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, when they get to Shellstown now. You want to talk about when I really started getting into it? That was with Zoro. I'm not mm-hmm. even lying. Zoro's my favorite character in the show. Oh, he's great. Oh, I mean, yeah. who who doesn't love a good Zoro? Oh yeah, Zoro is the best character in the three swords, everything. That was the coolest thing I've ever seen. Having one in his mouth, everything like that. I remember when I was a little kid and he tells Luffy to go get his swords, right? And Luffy's like, which swords? Which swords? He's like, all of them, right? Right. Puts one right. in his mouth, three sword style. That was the coolest thing I've ever seen as a little kid. That's what really hooked me into the show was the two of them kind of linking up for the first time. Not only that, but they give, you know, they set it out like, oh, Zoro's this uh, criminal who's about to be executed, blah, 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 blah. And they really set this kind of um, the narrative. You know, you would think that the Marines, the Navy, et cetera, they're the good guys. They're the ones who you should be rooting for, right? Mm-hmm. But you, you find out that they're really just a bunch of assholes. Right. <laughs> right away, they're corrupt, yeah. right? Like right oh, yeah. away, Off the they bat. are the awful people. Off of the bat, they're just assholes. And they go into Zoro's backstory. You're not into his whole backstory, but they go into, you know, why he is and why he's about to be executed, why he's chained up, et cetera, et cetera. And you really start gaining sympathy for this character off the bat who you would, you know, in, in most, most animes, most shows, whatever, it would take a while to kind of warm up to a character like that. You know, they do like this long thing where Zoro would be like this asshole, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And he would slowly turn over time, blah, 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 blah. He doesn't have to change his character or anything. He is who he is, and he stands on right. that off the bat. And that was really something that caught my attention as a little kid. That was something that caught my attention as I, you know, read it again as an adult, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I really, I really think this is a great introduction into the show slash anime manga. I think that's right. I think that's right. Especially something that struck me about this arc is that Luffy is trying to become king of the pirates, and the guy he rescues explicitly says, "I want to be a marine. You know, I want to mm-hmm. be your enemy, basically." Yeah. And rather than try to sway Kobe to his side and try to get him to join his crew, he says, oh, that's your dream? Great. Let me help you get there. Yep. It's something that really shows a a great character right away. You know, someone who is, it's funny because he's often seen as selfish selfish by his crew members because he'll just, he'll just, you know, he'll eat all the food or he'll, he'll go off on an adventure, a risky adventure and get them into danger. But really, when it comes down to it, if somebody needs something, Luffy's the one that you want on your side. Oh, absolutely. And that's a great point to make, John. You know, Luffy is selfish in the sense that he's going to do whatever the fuck, whenever the fuck he wants to do it. And that's ultimately why he wants to be king of the pirates. He wants the freedom to do what he wants in the sea. It's not a power thing with him. He just wants to really do whatever he wants to do without being told that he can't do it. But Luffy will give leg and limb, heart and soul, everything he's got for anybody, basically good, bad, somebody who we just met like Kobe, somebody who we just met like Zoro, he will go sacrifice himself all the way out. And another interesting thing is uh, Zoro's introduced as the pirate hunter. Right. And those first couple episodes, Luffy's trying to convince him over and over again to join him. And he's like, no, I fucking hate pirates. <laughs> like, right, right. He's, will- he's willing to sit there and starve and take the risk that um, the false promise that Axe Hand Morgan gave him that I forget the exact amount of time, but it's... uh. It's 30 he, days, I think. 30 days? If he can sit there, yeah, okay, that sounds about right. If he can sit there for 30 days and, you know, be chained up, whatever, et cetera, et cetera, he'll let him go, which we find out is a bunch of bullshit, by the right. way. He was going right. to execute him one way or another. That's, you know what's crazy? If he would have stuck to his promise, Axiom Morgan would have stuck to his promise, there's a good chance Zoro doesn't even join up with Luffy. Right. Yeah. Right. 
Absolutely. Yeah, so that that's a good point, too, is that both Zoro and Nami start off the series detesting pirates, mm-hmm. like really being anti-pirate. Zoro is a little easier to sway because he's more of a, well, I, I, I'll hunt him down, but I, I, I don't think he has sort of a moral objection to piracy. I think he just wants that just, money. Right. Just he that he money. wants that gold. He wants those berries. Mm-hmm. Sorry, not gold. Berries. Berries, berries, yeah. And uh, and and something about Zoro is his dream is to become the top swordsman ever. And so when Luffy is trying to sway him to his his crew, in contrast to with Kobe, where that that dream is incompatible, this dream is very compatible. Mm-hmm. And he says, oh, your dream is to be the best swordsman. That sounds great. I need the best swordsman on my crew. You know, yep. let's let's work together to achieve our dreams rather than being in opposition or being on separate tracks and doing it alone. And you know, uh, just one last thing, it's kind of random, but it's been kind of debated for many years amongst the kind of One Piece community. Is Zoro Luffy's first mate? Is he not his first mate? It's, it's, it's a very like, kind of debated topic. Me personally, I view this kind of introduction, et cetera, et cetera. And like I said, Zoro's my favorite character, so maybe I'm a little biased. I view Zoro as the first mate. Okay. A lot, a lot of other people won't. A lot of people, you know, it's a, it's a debated topic, but... They establish this connection almost immediately that you will see just stay strong throughout the entire series with no spoilers. The same way that Luffy will give his heart and soul for Zoro, Zoro will absolutely give his heart and soul for Luffy. Right. Yeah. I think that's right. You know, I, I should mention here, I've seen through about w- episode 150, I'm, I'm uh, over there, so I'm not fully spoiler-free in what I know right now, but I'm much more spoiler-free. I've seen, you know, 10% of the series in contrast to you who's seen the whole I'm caught thing. Up. I'm caught up to date right now, yeah. Right. We get a few introductions. We get, you know, Axan Morgan. We get uh, his son. We get Kobe. So, and even Alvita. So we have a lot of people introduced right up front. The last thing I wanted to talk about in this arc is sort of the introduction of the mythology of this series. And so the first thing we learn about Luffy, or one of the first few things we learn, is that he's a rubber man, and he ate the gum gum fruit, which is something called a devil fruit which we find out gives whoever eats it a special power. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it also takes away their ability to swim because it makes the ocean turn against them. And uh, that's, that's kind of an interesting thing to do to a pirate, right? I mean, they have to live on the sea and they could do with more power for fighting because clearly everybody's fighting in this world, but not being able to swim is a big big problem if you go overboard if you have to you know swim to do anything and uh, i i like that they don't make luffy invincible and they don't make the other devil fruit people invincible they they give them sort of a weakness right up front oh, that's a pretty fatal flaw off the bat right. that's a huge fatal flaw off the bat and you know you see it almost happen immediately when they flash back to his childhood with the shanks um he almost drowns like five seconds in to eating that devil fruit so right Right. You know, it's uh, something to just keep in mind as the series progresses that Devil Fruit users at all. And there's there's no there's no counter to it. There's no, oh, he ate the Devil Fruit, but he also has gills so we can swim or something like that. No, no, no. If they eat the Devil Fruit, there's no swimming at all. That's it. Right. Yeah. That's uh, that is certainly a big weakness in this world where it's all islands. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's it for this arc. Why don't we move on to Orange Town? Here's a synopsis. Luffy accidentally ends up in Orangetown, which is ruled by Buggy the Clown Pirate. I said, After I said initially... Zoro was my favorite character, John. I'm lying. Buggy's my favorite character. Oh, Buggy's great. I want Buggy to be king of the pirates. Oh, yeah. Me too. 
Me too. Absolutely. He deserves it. Yeah. My bad. Go on. Go on. That's all right. That's all right. So this town is ruled by Buggy the Clown Pirate. After initially befriending a thief named Nami, Luffy is betrayed by Nami and caged by Buggy. Nami and Zoro work together to free Luffy before Luffy fights and defeats Buggy and his Chop Chop Devil Fruit powers. Nami does not join the crew, but decides to travel with them for a while on one of Buggy's ships. Moses, what are your thoughts on this arc? So, overall, Buggy's my favorite character. I'm, j- I'm joking, it's still Zoro. But Buggy is a great character. He develops over time as well. But Nami is kind of the main uh, set piece being introduced here. And she is the classic femme fatale kind of being introduced here you know she uses her looks to get away or to get away with a lot of things to scam a lot of people etc etc and as we go on you know you'll figure out why she feels the need to act that way she's incredibly intelligent Uh, yes she is if you actually go through the one piece database they have a couple of um you know one piece is huge so they had a couple of like guidebook handbooks that came out back in the day she is one of the smartest characters like they did a whole intelligence reading just overall yeah, she's she's straight up one of the smartest characters in the series. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's it's and it's something that's extremely you know going to be beneficial down the road. But at this point, she is very, like you said, anti-pirate. Period. And it doesn't matter if Luffy's the nicest guy in the world. Doesn't matter at all. She does not like pirates at all. Right. Yeah. And and, and you know, we'll. I'm not going to say spoilers, but I think in the next episode we'll discuss why. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, she is very anti-pirate. She makes that very clear up front. The minute she finds out Luffy's a pirate, she does not want to work with him. Mm, a huge one, even even in her sort of deception, because you know it, it does seem like she's she's being a little little deceptive here. Even in her deception, she doesn't agree to join the crew, which yeah. is funny because she does do that with Buggy, but yeah. with Luffy, she doesn't use the lie for some reason. You know, it's it's all about her kind of. Uh, politically and strategically positioning herself to, you know, make moves that are the best for her. And right. something I love about this series uh, or about this arc itself, well, the thing that One Piece does really great, and you saw with Kobe in the last arc, and you kind of see with some of the characters in this arc, they really take their side characters really seriously. Yes, they do. Um, Man, I forget the name of the dog and the dog owner. I, I can't oh, yeah. remember it off the top of my head, but that whole, the dog in this whole arc um it was very emotional he it sat was. there he sat there fighting to the death essentially to defend um his owner his, defend, his, the pet or, food store yeah, yeah right 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 the pet food yeah the, exactly the pet food store um didn't like luffy at first but luffy has this quality which we've seen in the previous arc and will continue to see going forward of just being able to win people over that just don't like him just well that and and luffy says Oh, your dream. You know, th- this concept of dreams is so mm-hmm. central to the show, right? Yep. Of I'm going to help you accomplish your dreams. And Luffy says, well, your dream is to defend the store for your owner. Sure. Great. I'll help you. I'll do it. And then he uh, he does the best he can. And he at least delivers him a piece of that store, which is what allows the dog to finally say, all right, Luffy's not such a bad guy. You know, it's crazy. He'll, he'll, this is once again how he wins people over. He'll, he risks his entire life. To just get that little, what is it like? It's like a piece of food, or it's like a. I think a it's like a little bag, yeah. Yeah, so he risks his entire life for a, a dog that he doesn't know. To right. yeah, and I think this is the first time Luffy actually gets into a full blown fight. Like, um, he basically one hits Alvita in the in the pilot. Yeah, yeah, he and does. he he messes up. Um, yeah, he gets into a full blown fight with the um, 
it's like a beast tamer or like a like a lion tamer or something like that. Yeah, that is. Uh, so there's a lion tamer. That's one of the crewmates of uh, Buggy, and then there's also the acrobat. So he gets into the fights with those two. I, I guess uh, Zoro, I think, takes care of the acrobat more than Luffy does. Right. But uh, it's pretty funny because the the beast tamer goes, "Well, I could get any beast under my control," and then this dog goes, "Nah, nah not me though. Nah, I'll pass." Yeah, and, and yeah, pretty good. Talking about Zoro, I do remember this when he fights the acrobat or whatever. Um, yeah, he's he's wounded from the fighter. He's still you know struggling. Um, because I believe he got chopped up by he did buggy. Yeah, he, he did. He gets chopped up buggy, by buggy pretty early on. Buggy takes his his hand because you know he's got the chop chop power we haven't really discussed yet and he can split his body off into pieces which fly for some reason and uh so he takes a dagger in his hand and he stabs zoro in the back mm-hmm. uh, a recurring theme is going to be zoro goes into a lot of fights wounded but he also has an inhuman even more so than luffy honestly ability to take damage yeah and it's it's something that'll keep popping up in uh i don't want to say it's kind of used as a nerf sometimes for Zoro, but it's totally uses a nerf sometimes to, you know, bring him down a little bit or bring him down to an evil a level playing field with some of these weaker enemies. Because as we'll progress, you'll see that how it typically goes is that Luffy ends up fighting the boss of the arc and yep. Zoro will end up fighting the number two of the arc. Yeah, constantly. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, something else that's great in this arc is that Nami does get to use her intelligence. You mentioned mm. Luffy is struggling to get, get, the chop chop powers under control because you know he can he can punch this guy all he wants but at the end of the day the guy's gonna come back together nami says well but what if he doesn't have all his pieces and she ties up his torso and uh and like his his parts of his limbs and now he's just this crazy little guy and uh luffy can easily make short work of that uh i I love the way that that wraps up it's great it really shows how their teamwork is going to develop through the series so one of the things that's introduced in this arc it's kind of just glanced over a little bit not glanced over it's mentioned briefly buggy kind of gets i guess he gets super triggered by it is buggy's connection to shanks and the straw hat that luffy has that's something that to just keep in the back of your mind shanks is a character who we haven't seen yet and we probably aren't going to see for a while but he is constantly kind of brought up as this kind of overarching lurking kind of figure and buggy mentions him here talking about the straw hat etc etc just something to just keep in mind going forward the importance of the straw hat the importance of shanks even right even the importance of buggy overall to be real with you right yeah yeah especially the straw hat we haven't really discussed that yet you know the straw hat that was gifted by shanks Mm -hmm. who was his mentor who who had the devil fruit that luffy ate oh it's straight up jacked Uh, just jack yeah yeah luffy you know again you know the the He's sort of selfish on a small level, right? On like a day-to-day level. He's a little But on the big picture, he's very selfless and very giving. Absolutely. And so because this was a fruit, even though that was a huge thing and it was worth quite a bit, this is something where, you know, Luffy just saw a snack. Yep. And so he just took it without asking. That's that's Luffy's personality. Basically, yeah. Basically, he does what he wants whenever the fuck he wants. What happens if you eat two devil fruits? Like, I feel like Luffy is the kind of guy who's going to encounter just multiple. This is going to happen. If you eat two devil fruits, you die. That's basically it. You, you oh. eat de- yeah, you can't have you can't have two devil fruit powers. Well, that's good to know. I will be sure to limit my devil fruit consumption to one. For now, I think it's time we take a quick break. All 
And we're back and ready for the Syrup Village arc. Luffy, Zoro, and Nami arrive in Syrup Village, a quiet village with a loudmouthed liar who can't stop shouting about pirates. The liar, Usopp, has become close with Kaya, a local rich orphan with a kindly butler named Clahador. After discovering that Clahador is actually the pirate captain Kuro and is plotting to kill Kaya for her money, the Straw Hats and Usopp team up to save Kaya and the town. After saving Kaya, they are gifted their new ship, the Going Merry. Usopp decides to join the crew. Moses, you get first first pick on uh, what you want to talk about with this. Arc. Ooh, first crack, baby. Ooh, good for Moses. Okay. Um, so there's this is one of the low key, more important arcs of the series. There's a lot. Um, yeah. That gets introduced here. First off, we learn about Usopp. Obviously, he joins the crew. That's a big deal. He's the third official member because, like we said, Nami hasn't joined. Um, they get their ship, the Going Merry, which, I mean, they need a ship because they've been either A, on rafts or little little boats, or having to rely on doing things like stealing buggy ships right now. But the Going Merry is going to be, you know, a long-term kind of boat for them, something that they need. comes yeah. with a lot of things, kitchen, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's, it's their home, basically. When you're out right. on the sea like that, it's their home. Um, the other thing... Right. It really becomes part of the crew, right? The Going yeah. Merry? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Another thing here, I know I talked about Shanks kind of being this overarching, looming kind of character. We find out that Usopp's dad ended up actually leaving Usopp and his mother when they were young to go explore the sea as a member of Shanks' crew. What a guy. Yeah. Father of the year right there. Yeah, exactly. And then he leaves his kids so traumatized that he spends every day lying about pirates coming just to get attention. Just just one. What a What a family dynamic. What a... There's there's no need for therapy there. None at all. Do you buy that the villagers are actually, you know, sad when Usopp stops yelling about the pirates? I'd be um, like, wow, this guy finally shut up and I could sleep in on a Saturday. It's like one of those things where you miss it when it's gone. You know what I mean? It's like it's like their daily routine or their weekly routine or their monthly routine, et cetera, et cetera had to be dealing with Usopp and all of his bullshit, you know, and when they actually finally see his character at the end of the arc and seeing that he actually does strive to be this brave warrior of the sea, et cetera, et cetera, you know, it's something that they'll end up missing. It's kind of like a bittersweet thing when he leaves. But yeah, I mean, I would have been annoyed as shit by Usopp every day. I would have smacked the shit out of him. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. He's pretty bad. He's pretty, he's pretty, pretty, bad, pretty yeah. bad. The, uh, the introduction of Captain Kuro is fascinating to me because this was the first ar- villain that, really seemed like scary to me, you know, those claws, the way they're, you know, they're dripping blood. And I honestly thought he had devil fruit powers at first. I thought he was sprouting claws like Wolverine. Yeah. Uh, But apparently they're just gloves. Well, yeah, he comes off as like the real first competent type pirate. And he has this long-term plan that's been set in motion to essentially, you know, kill Kai and take all of her money. You know, with Buggy, it was like, Buggy's like, I think we're sitting talking about Buggy, how he's our favorite character, blah, 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 jokes, whatever. Buggy's an idiot. All right. Yeah, he is. I love Buggy, but he's a, he's a fucking idiot. Um, All right. Right. This is the first time where the villain comes off as an actual kind of threat with yeah. who's not only that, he's got bloodlust and from what it seems, his movement, the way how he's able to move quickly, et cetera, et cetera, that comes off as very intimidating, very, very scary. This is the first kind of t- chance where it seems like Luffy might actually, you know, lose. You know, Buggy had his unique skill set and blah, 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 et cetera, right? Where he could chop up. And that was more of a an annoyance. Right, right. And this, it was something that, that sort of 
was tied to battle only and not to cunning and you know yeah. situational manipulation. Yeah, so so I mentioned that Nami was one of the smartest characters in, you know, one of those first guidebooks. Captain Kuro was also one of the smartest characters mentioned in that uh, guidebook. The other one, I believe, in this area of the sea that they're in right now, the three smartest were Kuro, Nami, and Ben Beckman, who was, you met him earlier, he was Shanks' right-hand man at the okay. very, very beginning. They're, they're the three smartest characters in this uh, area of the sea right now. So Kuro is a very formidable threat, especially this early on within the series. Um, and you know who I love? I love his right-hand man, the Michael Jackson ripoff. Oh my gosh. The, <laughs> the, um, the hypnotist. Yeah, 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 yeah. I forget his name off the top of my head, but I, lo- I love that guy. <laughs> oh yeah, he, that guy is pretty spooky too. Yeah, so when you take in the Michael Jackson ripoff, you take in the, the brothers and the Yabin brothers, they really come off as a kind of formidable threat. And at this point in time, it's basically just Luffy and Zoro fighting. Usab is pretty much useless. I mean, he does his little tricks, et cetera, et cetera, here and there. Right. But it's basically Luffy and Zoro, and you already have an injured Zoro fighting. You have Luffy. You know, he's in a bad kind of matchup against Kuro. Kuro's got these swords, and Luffy's a rubber man. That's right. not a good matchup. And, and Kuro's fast. Oh, super yeah. Super duper fast, mm-hmm. which is what really throws Luffy for a loop. He, he's having a lot of trouble keeping up because, you know, he's stretchy, and he, he's, he's strong. But I don't think Luffy is super fast. I mean, it takes him a minute to stretch out most of the time. Yeah, he's still kind of... Uh, it's not just that. He's kind of adjusting to this kind of new pirate world that he's in, or, you know, fighting at this kind of high of a level. Um, right. He, he just... When we get when we start off with Alvita, he's just literally setting out on his adventure. So most of the fighting he's done has been, or training that he's done has been in-home, in-house, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right. And Kuro really comes off as the first threat who might actually kill Luffy. Or might or right. is aiming to or has bloodlust in his eyes. You know, Buggy was Buggy was willing to kill or do whatever, but Buggy was a joke of a character. Axehan Morgan right. wasn't shit. Alvita got one shot. This is the real first threat that Luffy has faced throughout the series. Right. And yeah, that's a great point. And also we have Usopp, who is such a complex character because he he's a liar, right? Like he he mm-hmm. genuinely goes around all day lying and yet his lies aren't always for evil. You know, he helps Kaya feel better with his stories. And he, he honestly, apparently helps the villagers feel better about their day by giving them a routine. And in the end, it's, it's sort of a boy who cries wolf situation where no one will believe him. And even Kaya won't believe him yeah. about Clahador being captain Kuro. Uh, and, and it, it really makes Usopp struggle. And a lot of people I think would, take that and say, well, I tried and just w- go home. And Usopp really shows his perseverance here. And and I think that, you know, you mentioned he uses his tricks here. And sure, I think they can adequately be called tricks in this episode. But I think that's just because he has not had a real challenge yet, right? He's just been having his weird Usopp pirates with ch- toddlers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, he, he's just getting into shenanigans. Whereas I think as the series goes on and he faces real threats, He'll be more willing to use his brain because I do think he's pretty smart. He's not he as is. smart as Nami, but he's pretty smart. Uh, use his brain, use his technical skill to create weapons that actually do damage. Yeah, and Usopp's a giant coward, right? But um, the same way how you talked about Luffy earlier, kind of being selfless in the small term, in the small scale, uh-huh. but being self—I'm sorry—selfish in the small scale, but being selfless 
in the bigger picture things. Yep. Usopp is the same exact way. He's a coward in these kind of little moments, but when push comes to shove, Usopp is there. Hmm. Usopp will risk it all. He yeah. He really strives to be this kind of brave warrior of the sea. Right. And that's something to really it's an admirable trait. It's 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 a weird trait, but it's a very admirable trait that he has. Right. Yeah, that's super interesting how he sort of mirrors Luffy in that transformation in that, you know, when push comes to shove, he's there for you. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So we've talked about Clahador, Captain Kuro, whatever you want to call him. We've talked about Kaya. We've talked about Usopp a bit, although I don't think we've gone deep into Usopp's backstory, which, as you mentioned, has his father going away and he just wants to follow his dad the whole time. And his mother dies young as well. Uh, So he's really left all alone very quickly. Then we have this gifting of the going Mary, which is is funny because, you know, Mary is the guy who gives them the going Mary. And yeah. I thought he was going to die like three times because Clahador just like stabs him so much, leaves him in a pool of blood. And then he he's just fine by the end of the episode. And it doesn't seem like much time has passed either. That's that's another thing that happens in One Piece. They're like, this person's almost dead. They're at the brink. And then they're yeah. recovered in like two hours. Well, we we talked, you know, kind of off off the stream about this a little bit before. That's kind of, I talked to you about how I kind of have some uh, hangups about One Piece as a long-term viewer. That's that's one of my hangups right there. It's uh, a lot of characters kind of survive when it feels like they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And even throwaway characters like Mary, once again, like a lot of the strengths that they have where they'll take these side characters, they'll give them these crazy in-depth backstories, they'll really make you feel for them. It's um, that you really get attached to them. It feels like that's also one of the weaknesses of the show. One of the few weaknesses of the show is the inability to kill off these characters at the same time. I don't know if that's the writer getting too attached to the characters, uh, and so he doesn't want to do anything with them long-term, or you know, the possibility of bringing them back later, et cetera, et cetera. But it's something that's always kind of bugs me about the series. I love it, don't get me wrong. I think One Piece is the greatest piece of fiction of the 20th slash 21st century. That's, wow, that's a claim. It is. I mean, tell me something that's been more successful. I, mean, I guess you could say Lord of the Rings. There's a couple. There's a couple. The One Piece is certainly up there. You look at a comic book sales, it just surpassed Batman. It's on the verge of surpassing Superman wow. in terms of the greatest selling comic of all time. So, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's right. I think that, you know, you can fall too in love with your creations and then you don't want to get rid of them. So, it's yeah. certainly a weakness, but I think that it has its strengths too of, you know, the writers are really putting a lot of effort into serving up a rich background for everyone. And, you know, every time I think about that, I, I kind of have to backtrack and realize that One Piece is a kid's show. Yeah. It is, it is meant for kids. So that's something I kind of have to backtrack and kind of realize. But Although it's very bloody for a kid's show. Oh, I would not show this to a, a five-year-old. You know, I would. <laughs> yeah. We need a little PG-13 at the very least on it. Right, at the very right. least, yeah. Right, yeah. It's it it does not shy away from violence at all. There's a lot of blades. There's a lot of blood. There's a lot of suffering. Let's uh, let's be careful with that. Yeah, and honestly, a lot of that is probably just the difference in cultures. To be honest with you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's about it for the Syrup Village arc. Why don't we move on to Baratier and introduce the last crew member of the day? Uh, the Marines shoot a cannonball at the Going Mary. Uh, Luffy deflects the cannonball and sends it into the sea restaurant Baratier. There, the Straw Hats meet Sanji, the sous chef of the restaurant, with a mean roundhouse kick. When the restaurant is attacked by pirate captain Don Krieg, 
Luffy defeats Krieg in exchange for his freedom from working off the damage to the ship. Sanji, determined to find the all blue, joins the crew as its chef. Lot of interesting concepts here, right? We have the the all blue gets introduced, mm-hmm. this idea of the the four oceans, right? The four seas, is that what it is? Yep. Uh coming together and all the seafood of of the world comes together in this sea. I feel like that's that's bigger than just seafood, right? Like that has to be more significant than just fish. Oh yeah. And this well, I hope this isn't a spoiler or anything, John. I've they have not even introduced this concept of, of the all blue or what the deal with it is at like the present point in the series. Wow. So this yeah. is a really long term thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very long term thing. And we get introduced to Sanji, our very own Chuck Norris of the crew. And <laughs> good way to describe him. Yeah, you'll you'll as time goes on, you'll realize or yeah, I guess this is kind of the introduction of the big three, which is Luffy, Zoro, and Sanji. Right. You're gonna constantly see that they are fighting the three main villains of the series or the of, the, of each individual arc they're kind right. of they're the top dogs in the crew right like, they're the no ones who can really take on this the more supernatural strength right yep absolutely absolutely um and so we we learn a lot about uh the world here in this situation about the a lot happens within here um one of my other favorite characters introduced here mihawk yes yes Mihawk we, it comes out of nowhere, right? Like yeah. that, it seems almost out of place when you think about it with that arc. But yeah. he comes out of nowhere just because Don Krieg pissed him off on the Grand Line, and Zoro goes, "Oh, all right, a chance to fulfill my quest." And and uh, he does not do that. We learn, you know, no, he's, not he's even gravely wounded. Yeah, uh, but he impresses Mihawk, who says, "You know, I think you got potential, kid. Why don't you work on your skills a little bit and and come meet me on the Grand Line." Yeah, and let's be clear, Mihawk could have killed every single person there in like oh, yeah. a second. Like every, like yeah. without without even breaking a sweat. He yeah. could have although you know, I, I think that that Zoro has the potential to be very strong just like Mihawk. Oh, absolutely. I think he just he got a little cocky. He he tried to rush his development instead of just biding his time a little more. But you know what? At the same time, that's what impressed Mihawk was he was willing to lose it all. And this is a theme we see come up again and again too. You saw Kobe uh, emphasize it in the first arc is these these pirates of the straw hats are willing to give up everything mm-hmm. to fulfill their dreams and that's what mihawk saw in zora was he's willing to die just to try to beat me and with mihawk we get introduced to the concept of the seven warlords of the sea right he's the, he's the first one to be introduced which are essentially seven extremely powerful pirates who have been sanctioned by the government essentially and the government aren't allowed to hunt them down they're essentially allowed to have carte blanche over whatever they want to do in the sea um right without the without the threat of the world government with the exception that when the government needs them or the government wants them to do something they're obliged to to you know answer that call and theoretically theoretically yeah theoretically um mihawk is the first one to be introduced here and really we've talked about he's not a villain He's not a villain, let's be clear about that. But compared to every other character we've met so far who's had a fighting scene, he is on a whole other level. Right. Like about about 10 whole other levels. Right. And, yeah. Yeah, Luffy could not have defeated him. I think that was oh, very no. clear. If oh, he no. decided to slice through Luffy, Luffy would be dead in a minute. In about, yeah, in about a half a second. They, like I'm saying, he could have cut through. And here's, uh, I believe this concept got introduced here. The East Blue, that the sea that they're in right now, is the weakest out of the four seas. So, okay. When you say the weakest, what do you mean by that? Like the weakest uh, people, you know, yeah. as pirates there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you look at the world map, you'll see 
where it kind of intersects at the Grand Line. So the North and West are the two strongest of the seas. They are on the other side of the Grand Line, which is where okay. the strongest pirates generally reside. And the right. South Blue and the East Blue are the two weakest, with the East being the weakest. Right. So the so the Grand Line is the culmination of you know the the best of the best pirates are there right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, and then absolutely. the 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 North and the West are where sort of second place are. It, so the North and the West are within the Grand Line, essentially. Oh, okay, that's yeah. sort of considered part of the Grand Line. There. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Exactly. So, so the Grand Line is basically a way to cross the continents, right? Without mm-hmm. without going around, and that's the big deal of it. Yeah, yeah, ex- essentially, and I guess we'll get into that later on in the series, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. But at this point in time, it's just the most notable thing about the East Blue is that Don Krieg, I see, yeah, I, believe, I believe he's the one with the most, with the highest bounty, either that or the villain we'll talk about in the next episode. Um, they are the strongest pirates within the sea, and as you can see, Mihawk is coming from the Grand Line, and he makes chopped cheese out of Don Krieg in about two seconds. Right. The strength level is not even comparable. Right. And we're talking about the guy who has, and if Don Krieg's not the strongest, well, um, he is the one with the biggest crew in the right. entire East Blue at this point in time. I mean, he's pretty strong. He he gets a number on Luffy, too. I mean, Luffy yeah. struggles a lot with this fight. It's yeah. interesting how, how much he struggles all of a sudden, whereas he did not really struggle with Buggy that much. But I, I think that they do a good job of ramping it up. You know, after Clahador, you see that Luffy's vulnerable, and I think that's good. Because just watching Luffy triumph over everybody without a struggle would be kind of boring. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Um, Zoro is taken out pretty early by Mihawk in this series, so Sanji basically steps up and fights the number two in this right. series, or in right. this arc. Um, and overall, this has to be one of my favorite arcs because of a lot of the importance that was introduced to it uh, from introducing the All Blue, introducing the Seven Warlords, the Shishibukai, um, the introduction of Sanji and establishing that kind of big three. And you also kind of start to see the origins of Sanji and Zoro's beef a little bit here. And that'll be kind of a recurring theme going forward. Or I don't want to say beef, but a kind of brotherly rivalry between the two of them. Right. You kind of get to see the introduction of that within this uh, arc here. At the end of the arc, it ends with Nami, I believe, stealing the Going Merry and just, uh, you know, going off on her own little adventure. Yep. It does. It does. She leaves with the going Mary and we're not sure where she goes next, but that's what we're going to talk about next episode. But before we leave this arc, I just want to talk about a couple more things. You know, we're introduced to Sanji here and we get a pretty rich backstory of Sanji. Mm. You know, he he's with the chef. He's with his his head chef and he uh, you know, he almost starves to death as a child and he he sees a very tough pirate get kind of soft, right? Get, you know, get into the point where he wants to save a kid who is about to drown and he, he's willing to sacrifice his leg for it. You know, he wants, he just wants to help. And even after that, instead of actually splitting up the food in two, he tricks Sanji into eating all the food yeah. so that Sanji survives. And, uh, this is clearly a formative event for Sanji because of the way he treats the Don Creek pirates later as they're starving. Yeah. Yeah, Sanji promises to never let anybody go starving, ever. Which right. is something, and also he's he's vehemently against food waste. Oh, a hundred percent. And you know, Sanji, they they don't really. I guess they emphasize it a little bit here, but Sanji is one of the best cooks in the entire in the entire series. Off the bat, yeah. Luffy yeah. gets really lucky getting Sanji off the bat, and especially Luffy, somebody who's a glutton, he gets right. really lucky getting Sanji off the bat. And 
Another thing to mention about Sanji, man's a simp, a simp and a half. I don't know what else to say about that, but Sanji yes, is. Yes, he is. It's, let's, it, let's talk about it for a minute. Let's talk about. <laughs> all right. So there is a thing in, in Japanese anime. I think, I think it is a thing that comes up often. There's this casual misogyny, especially in stuff from the early 2000s. Now, let's not, let's not pretend American cinema, especially in the early 2000s, was not casually misogynistic. Yeah. But uh, it, it's, these episodes are dated, right? I mean, the, and yeah, it's uh, Sanji is is deeply problematic in his in the way he treats women, right? He he's very he's always sexualizing women. He's always you know trying to flirt with everybody who identifies as a woman here, and it's not great. It's not great. Um, but other than that, I really love Sanji's character. So that's why every time that happens, I'm like, oh, do we have to do this again? The the hard eyes and everything. I'll say this. As time goes on, he becomes a lot more uh, chivalristic as opposed to just blatantly misogynistic. Okay. Well, especially, that's better. Yeah, especially as we get kind of deeper and deeper into the, past the point where you're at at this point in time, John. Like, he gets very chivalristic. I mean, he's still kind of, you know... A little, he's a little simpy still, but it's more, much more in a chivalristic way than it is in the misogynistic. Women can't fight for themselves, and I have to do all this. It's right. I know exactly what you mean. Especially One Piece, what they do, they really have a lot of strong, and you'll get introduced to them too over time. They have a lot of strong female characters down the road. Yeah, they do. They yeah. do. Well, that's the thing. It's it's complicated because they'll they'll have you know a character like Nami who is a really strong female character, uh, and then they'll have Sanji who is fawning over her and being weird <laughs> about it. Oh, and she she completely uses that to her advantage. Yeah, one hundred percent uses it to her advantage. Yeah. yeah, and you know that's hey Nami Nami's got to use what her mama gave her, right? She works. <laughs> you go, you slay queen, slay Nami, slay. Well, what a note to end it on. I think that's all for today. So the next episode we're going to be doing the Arlong Park arc and the Logtown arc. That's going to be episodes thirty-one through fifty-three. So it's it's a little bit shorter than this episode. We're doing uh, 23 episodes. You got to watch to catch up with us on then. Uh, and again, this is an occasional podcast, so it's not like you have to watch 23 episodes in a week. Uh, these are some great arcs here. The Arlong Park arc especially is the one that really grabbed me on an emotional level for this yeah. show. So I'm really looking forward to chatting with you, Moses, about that. No, yeah, the Arlong Park arc, that is kind of the... Um, what One Piece does is they kind of take these mini arcs uh, you know, all these arcs so far, Baratia, Seer, Village, etc., etc., and it's a common theme that they do, um, to essentially make one super arc, and that's what Arlong Park is. It's kind of the culmination of all these arcs, of the story of all these arcs coming together, and right. especially on an emotional level. Um, you find out a lot about Nami in that arc. Exactly. Exactly. All right, Moses, let's do our outro here. We've got a Patreon uh, patreon.com slash the lorehounds and that's what keeps the gears of lorehound central turning that's what keeps us putting out podcasts and taking on fun side projects like this one piece podcast and our top tier on patreon is our ten dollar tier called the lore masters these people support us just because you know they they they'd like to hear their names shouted out at the end of our podcast and they'd like to just you know give us that little bit of extra support and i i can't believe how much we've grown over the last few months we've got 23 lore masters now they love you johnny they love you they love us and we love them so here's our thank you list Samartian, Cyrus, Mark H, Michael G, Michelle E, David W, Brian P, Nick W, SC, Peter OH, Bettina W, Adam S, Nancy M, Lavinia T, Do71, 
Brian8063, Frederick H, Sarah L, Gareth C, Eric F, Matthew M, Sarah M, DJ Miwa, Joyce E, and Andra B. Thank you all so much. Uh, you you are all keeping us uh, uh, well stocked in our resources uh, to keep uh, sailing the grand line on our podcast. So thank you very much. Uh, quick programming notes about what we're doing for uh, the rest of uh, April and into May. I'm not sure when this podcast is going to drop, but uh, if you're listening at the end of April or early May, we just had a uh, an MC Universe podcast drop April 29th. That is about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. It's all the lore you need to know to go watch it. So it's non-spoilery. You're just going to talk about the first two movies and uh, other things in the MCU. And uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing that one. I'm not on it, so I get to just be a fan for that one. We've also got Ted Lasso Season 3 going. That's going swimmingly. And we've got, of course, every month a new episode of The Lorehounds Play with Brandon the Bard. Uh, Last month, we did The Last of Us Part 1. This month, we are doing uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. And uh, one other quick note, we are just starting White House Plumbers and Barry. So we'll be covering those shows in short form. Again, you can find all this on our Discord in our Community Updates channel. You can find the schedule there. And uh, we hope you'll join them, join us for that and join our Discord for the conversation. Thanks, Moses, for joining me and have a good one. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the fourth be with you all, all month and beyond. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.